And we're back here. Marvel versus Marvel investigating Echo, the latest MCU Disney Plus series, and what it means for the wider world of Marvel. Robin Will bringing you the yin and the yang of the Marvel experience. You see, folks, Will Preston, say hello, Will. Hello. Has never read a Marvel comic in his life, whereas I was taught to read with Marvel comics. That's the yin and the yang. In part one, we did an able job of exploring the behind-the-scenes of the making of this movie, of this TV series, and it's really impressive the amount of like hard work and research that went into uh, presenting a deaf lead character to pres- the, the working around how scenes work with sign language when a voice. You know, in most scenes with dialogue would present tone and emphasis and how the director had to work around that and what else is brought to bear when you have um, tense, dramatic scenes played out using sign language and subtitles. Of course, the uh, the, the research that went in um, to presenting the indigenous people and the way that have been done and the, 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 the culture and the, the legends been held respectfully, even though they're used in this kind of fantastical way. Um <clears throat> looking at um, the history of the character Maya Lopez mm. and how a USA Today article saved the character from obscurity and transformed her into a member of the Avengers. It's all there in part one. If you've skipped straight to this one, as we know you are want to do, to have your pudding before your vegetables, folks, there's some tasty, tasty greens in part one. Um, you want to get on hold that there's some also some announcements I mean we'll get to them later on this show but some announcements will be made that nearly broke Will that was fun to see oh Um, god yes (laughs) Uh, yeah 20 something percent Um, the (laughs) biggest supporters that keep this show on the air let's give a shout out to them Peter J Brandon Schmigilski Zach Thomas Bass DeBeer Sam Bindi Supi Jack Davis, David Fan, Adam Joyce, the world-class wrecking crew, Brap Brap represents in the house. Those are the guys that give the absolute most. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Tons of really cool bonus content on there. Early access to shows, ad-free versions of the main shows, plus bonus things as well. And those are the guys that do the mostest and we love them the most. I mean, let's be like, like I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that can be bought. Don't know about you, Will. My soul <laughs> is for sale. Cash, cash, cheddar, cheddar is what greases the wheels around here. We thank them. We thank all of you for your support. If you don't have the uh, the ends, as they say, if you don't have the uh, the folding paper to support the show, there are other ways you can do it. Hit that like, that subscribe, as they say. Leave a great review. That always helps. Share our stuff on Twitter, on on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, And, like, word of mouth, recommend us to people you know that like a certain Marvel movie or a movie TV show. Like, if you've got a friend that likes a Marvel movie, we've covered that movie. There's a fairly great chance we have. Mm. You should be nudging your your friend in the the ribs and saying, you've got to check out this podcast on that Spider-Man movie, on that... Captain America movie, that Iron Man movie, that Howard the Duck movie. We've got it all. <clears throat> Put our podcast in front of your friends and help spread the word. And here we go now, the deep dive 
a little different when we do these shows instead of doing the movie we're going to have will take us through um the story so far with echo we're going to dive into our opinions on the uh the series that we've had and 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 the hawkeye series as well and then we're going to get around to one of the interesting bits is will's questions um about echo and the comic books and that's how we're going to dive into all the trivia and the history of maya lopez in the marvel universe her connections to ronin and the kingpin and all of that as well so will why don't you uh take it away with the uh the story of maya lopez and the mcu right previously on mcu (laughs) (laughs) after the events of the infinity war maya lopez witnesses her criminal father william being killed by the vigilante ronin unbeknownst to the world at large ronin is secretly the former avenger clint barton waging a blood-soaked war against gangsters as he grieves for the death of his friends and family following her father's death maya becomes the protege of wilson fisk the kingpin of crime in New York, and despite her deafness, she climbs the ranks in the criminal underworld. So, yeah. <clears throat> when um, watching the Hawkeye series, how did we feel about those callbacks to Ronin? Because so much of it was based, or like it was a Ronin was a snippet in in mm. was it in in Endgame? Endgame, Endgame, yeah, a snippet in Endgame, mm. and yet. It fueled this whole series because whilst we had a brief glimpse of Ronin and Clint Barton in, in Endgame, it it was made so much more kind of important to, to Clint with this Hawkeye series. Yeah. As we, we, we look at how he dealt with grief and the cr- crimes he committed and, you know, was he at war or was he a damaged person, post-traumatic stress and all that kind of stuff. So how do we feel about the, 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 the callbacks to Ronin in the Hawkeye series, I thought it was good. It, it was a good way of leveling out sort of the <laughs> the chirpy tone of Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was quite. It was entertaining, but it wasn't dark. But the Ronin stuff that yeah. felt like a darker side. So it was kind of like he's moved on from that darker side, and he's got his family back. So it's nice <clears> to <throat> sort, sort of bring it to balance of things weren't always this this nice. I guess. I felt it was interesting in a Batman Robin kind of way, right? Ah. So Hawkeye is a, a vigilante with a dark and violent kind of past mm. and then gets this kind of comical knockabout teen sidekick. And you know, that the lightness of Kate Bishop yeah. is being used to lighten the darkness that he's kind of been through and is struggling with still. Yeah. And I did feel that was a Batman Robin kind of dynamic that was interesting and I didn't fun think about that before but you're absolutely right yeah and i i also just thought it was it was i mean it's it was really great i mean not mythologizing particularly but like expanding the universe and the the world i think of this of this character and you know there wasn't time in endgame to go into what was going on mm. it was clearly very dark um you know if, for, from a character and personality perspective. I thought it was wonderful to have Ronin be the driving force of this series for so many characters, you know, including Maya. <clears throat> and to have that all all kind of presented through Hawkeye. 
Uh, this is the series, I mean. Yeah. Um, and to have Ronin be the thing that people are chasing and that people don't want to cut the secret. They don't want, you know, Clint doesn't want the secret to come out. And when it does, it affects him with Kay and it's the driving thing with May. But then there's a further secret as well. I, I really thought it was. It did turn Ronin into a much more significant moment in the MCU. Yeah, the yeah. Absolutely agree with that. In 2024, Maya Lopez has replaced her father as commander of the Tracksuit Mafia. She is shocked to see the return of Ronin on the news and searches for answers and revenge. When Lopez, <clears throat> when uh, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop are captured by her gang, Maya, Maya interrogates them about Ronin's return. Despite Barton's attempts to persuade her that Ronin was killed by Black Widow, Lopez doesn't believe them. Maya attacks Kate, suspecting her to be Ronin. In the ensuing melee, Clint and Kate manage to escape, but they know that Maya's vendetta will not stop. Is that when we get the giant arrow in the yeah. car chase? It's <laughs> yeah. just one of the best moments. That was such, the, yeah, such a good moment. The car chase, that car chase is kind of taken from the comics, and in the comics it's funny enough, um, but they don't have that moment. And seeing that realised was just... Because it's a... It's not like a um, sci-fi special effects heavy series, is it? Yeah. So to have that one kind of moment of it was just very cool. That's that's, that's the moment that always comes into my head when I think about Hawkeye. That and the musical. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Maya's second in command, Kazi, urges her to stop her erratic quest for revenge as it's become, it becomes dangerous for their business and warns her that the kingpin would not be happy if he knew what she was up to. Maya doubles down on her plans and orders Kazi to investigate Clint Barton and his home life. The tracksuit mafia compile extensive research on Clint's life and the names and locations of his wife and kids. I bought a tracksuit recently. Um, just because a tracksuit a bunch of times, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't owned a tracksuit in ages, and, and, and I, I'm the one who jogs. <laughs> yeah, I started to figure I'm going to move into my wise guy phase oh. and just go full Sopranos, New Jersey. And, now, yeah. that, is that a tracksuit they wear or is there something, there's another term for it, not a ledger suit, whatever, I Because I, I, might, I uh, might buy one at some point. I I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. You can kind of, it's kind of loungewear that you can wear outside. Yeah, my normal loungewear very slobby. You don't want to be seen going to shops in that. Sometimes I don't even want to take the bins out wearing what I wear to slob around the house. I'm putting this on my reminders now. Look into buying a tracksuit. That's completely off topic. I'm sorry, but it's talking about talking about tracksuits, so I brought it up. Yeah, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Maya late engages in a rooftop fight with Clint and Kate Bishop, and by sheer happenstance, she is joined by Yelena Belova, the new Black Widow, who is also seeking revenge. During the fight, Kate Bishop shoots Maya through the shoulder with an arrow, forcing her to flee. So, <clears throat> how do we feel about uh, Maya Lopez's introduction in 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 Hawkeye? Did she? Um... Did she make for a compelling character? Did the backstory click? Did, did, did she make for a good antagonist? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, she, I'm she, not sure we call her the villain, maybe. Well, she is the villain. Well, too, but... it's, <clears throat> she, she, she's unantagonist. I don't think she is the villain of the piece because there's uh, several moving parts. But yeah, she, I, I think it was a good introduction because you've already got... Well, Kate Bishop's already proving herself, but you've also got Yelena Belova, who previously introduced to you know she's more than capable so to have this extra person it's like no 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 she's she's with the heavy hitters now and she's actually one to be feared 
I very much felt like the rooftop fight that we're just talking about there mm. was really cool, and it felt like, oh, there's so much going on. Yeah. They've given us lots in this show. It's not just Kate and Clint. It's not just Maya and Clint. It's it's not just Yelena and Clint. They've mm. brought all these things around. Yeah. Um and, and, and kind of put them together. Um I'm glad they kept you know, May May's got this backstory that's that's tragic and it explains her motivations, um, doesn't excuse her actions. That's what we learn through storytelling. But it is always interesting when you've got a character like Clint Barton who has murdered people yes, with um, a reason behind doing it, but he still killed them. Mm. It's difficult to then look at a character like Maya and say, in this context, she's the villain. Mm. Because her she's going to kill somebody. She wants to kill Hawkeye, but she has a reason. And he had the same when he killed her dad. So just because... She's going to kill the person we like. Doesn't make her the villain. And if we're gonna, yeah. if we're gonna place onto this story our kind of moral absolutism of murdering is always bad, then we go, well, Clint Barton's a bad guy as well. <laughs> so you know, the, the the question of you you kind of have to be flexible sometimes with these with these stories as they uh, nudge their way into the kind of crime noir realm. Um. Clint's actions were not really excusable in the same way that Punisher's aren't. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Hawkeye is kind of about. But, yeah, I don't know if you can call Maya, in the context of this, a villain. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't be... It's not clear-cut. Yeah, No, because isn't she's just doing exactly the same as what Hawkeye did. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe even... I mean, I think, morally speaking, you'd perhaps give the nudge to Maya. She, she had... This guy murdered her dad... Yes, yes. Angry and sad that his family had died and was just killing people he thought were bad to get to repeatedly get you know his own sense of revenge or justice or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah, there's something very self-serving about that. There's something a bit more clean-cut and honest about you killed my dad, I'll kill you. Yeah. We, Although, we, we we can get behind that. That's a typical story to get absolutely. behind. Absolutely. Um it's it's a very um like human thing you can really understand it's a very animal thing i should say you can understand that behavior that being said uh may is also clearly like a, a you know i don't know if she's portrayed as an assassin in this but mm. um that's not positive <laughs> one thing i did want to ask you like her, her deafness um is interestingly portrayed in this especially with the the parallels with cliff uh clint who who is someone that i can't remember in the in the in the in the MCU, I think, did he lose his hearing or was he born deaf? I can't quite remember. I don't think they ever he, they, they really address it that much in the MCU. Right, okay. Uh, they they, they, they <coughs> brought it up in Hawkeye and that's yeah. it. That's literally yeah. it. It's, it. I don't think it's really been explained. But it's interesting that she, she like uh, looks down on his reliance on hearing aids and smashes them. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. And just how the, the, the kind of the deafness is presented was interesting. Now, I don't remember... And perhaps I'm wrong. I was surprised to see that Maya um, had an amputation um, in the Echo series. I didn't remember that happened being a thing we saw or knew about in Hawkeye. Is that just my memory, or oh, I'm trying to remember now the amputation. Oh, God. I don't remember her having a prosthetic 
um, leg in 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 or partial leg in Hawkeye. I think I, I think I spotted it because I remember her being. This is one of those things. Did I see it in the show or did I read about it in an article afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, remember. interesting. Because yeah. um, I was I was taken aback by it in in the Echo series, thinking, oh gosh, is that a backstory I didn't know? Is this meant to have happened between Hawkeye and now? Oh, then other characters know about it. Oh, she's had it her whole life. Okay, but I, I don't. I also don't know. We probably didn't have time in Hawkeye to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That. Uh, but that was that was interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Ronan lures Maya to a meeting at the same place her father was killed, where she finally faces the masked vigilante. A fierce duel takes place where Maya is overpowered and, inca- and incapacitated by Ronan, who finally unmasks himself. And Marston feels himself to be Clint Barton. Clint threatens to kill Maya if she doesn't leave his family alone. He also reveals that the night he killed her father, it was the Kingpin who sent him a tip-off to their location. For whatever reason, Wilson Fisk wanted Maya's father dead. So again, in that bit, <laughs> Clint Barton, Hawkeye, is saying, <laughs> just to let you know, I'm the good guy, but I will murder you if you come near my family again. Well, isn't that what Maya's doing? Yeah, yeah. I think that might actually be the moment where he's sort of basically says we're, we're you know we're very similar we're two sides of the same coin or something and that frustrates her but we're it... not so different you and i <laughs> oh what's that from boston powers oh okay but it's always it's always this trope that pops up it's like ah we're actually <clears throat> quite the same in a way i really hate it i hate how modern um writing on batman yeah. i saw somebody say this to me on, on Facebook or something, they said, but aren't all Batman's villains just their twisted side of himself? No, no they're not. not. No. Oh, sorry, <laughs> they were never meant King, to be. a twisted side of Batman's personality. <laughs> yeah, I was playing, but, I was, but, I was playing Lego like, Batman early and thinking, oh, this is fun. There's but no like, need to but like the this. Joker's anarchy and Batman's order. No. So, <laughs> no, so not what? Order. Batman's not order. Uh, let's not get into this. We'll save that. For uh, the, the, yes. the, 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 the all, the, all heroes reinforce the status quo. There's no way around that. But okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save that for the <coughs> after special on Patreon later. In a fit of rage, Maya takes Clint by surprise and comes close to murdering him, but is stopped once again by Kate Bishop. Maya flees the scene and heads to a, uh, heads into a confrontation with not just Fisk but Kazi as well. Maya realizes that her best friend must have been on the plan to have her dad assassinated by Ronan. During a battle between Clint and Kate and the tracksuit mafia, Maya attacks Kazi and saves Clint's life. Maya asks Kazi to leave it all behind and run away with her, but Kazi says that the tracksuit mafia is his life and the kingpin would never let him leave. Kazi tries to stab Maya with, his, with a discarded arrow, but she turns the weapon around and saves herself by killing her best friend. As Kazi dies in her arms, he tells Maya to save herself and flee the scene. I found that to be thunderous. I rewatch Hawkeye. Before watching Echo, hmm. um, I found that to be a really, really emotional scene. Really emotional. I'm have to rewatch um, that. I'm gonna have to rewatch Hawkeye. Just a bit of like you know, she she just essentially forgets slash forgives her best friend or her only friend for being involved in her dad's murder or being complicit in it mm. because she's like, I just want to just want to get out. I just want to leave. I want to yeah. leave with you. Come away. Let's not do this and. She, I think she actually says something like, I don't want to kill you. So it's twinged with, we're going to have a fight. But, uh, and <laughs> I need to let this anger out somehow. Yeah, but just the, she, he tries to stab her. She tries to stab him. It was kind of Romeo and Juliet yeah, tinged yeah. and, yeah, sadness, man. 
As the police and other emergency services arrive, Maya sees Clint, who tells her that he's sorry in sign language. Nodding her head at him, Maya dons her helmet and drives off, leaving behind her vendetta against Ronan. Maya eventually finds a wounded Wilson Fisk coming out of an alley, having been injured in his fight with Kate Bishop. Maya pulls a gun on Fisk as he tries to appeal to her. Fisk claims that they are family, and that family don't always see eye to eye. In response, Maya shoots Fisk in the face and flees the scene. How did you feel? I, I really didn't like that this is, is an end for Wilson Fisk, thinking at the time when watching Hawkeye that this was the end, mm. because it felt so short and so out of nowhere, and we'd barely gotten much of him in the Hawkeye series. Yeah. I really, really it felt, uh, I didn't feel good that, I understand, it felt to me like they brought Vincent D'Onofrio back to just get rid of the character, and I just hated it, really hated that. Um, I was I was getting that, and that's why I was really happy when I saw it's confirmed. Like, oh, he's going to be back in it. I'm like, what? I thought he was dead. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so coming out of Hawkeye, does it does it feel? I mean, it it felt she was much more of a major character in Hawkeye than I remembered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Upon upon a rewatch, I, and perhaps because I'm watching it through a lens of let's focus on Maya. Um, whereas perhaps before I was like, oh no, come on, get back to the Hawkeye stuff, get back to the Ronin stuff with Kate. Um, she felt like much more of a major character in the Hawkeye series upon a, upon a, a rewatch. I haven't um, uh, obviously, I haven't seen it since it was on. Uh, but yeah, I, I I remember her being one of the main things. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, it's interesting how they use the Kingpin because he's not appeared in any Marvel stuff, but they use him here. As like a legacy character that everyone knows, mm. everyone's going to the kingpin, and that's going to help make Maya an important character by tying her origins to him and stuff like that. Um, interesting how they delivered that. Um, I, I wasn't sure when they announced the Echo series. I initially thought it was actually going to tell the story of her getting to where she was at the start of Hawkeye. Yeah. Just because I assumed I assumed Wilson Fisk was dead. I didn't assume that D'Onofrio was coming back to play him back from the dead. I kind of assumed it was going to be flashback stuff. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that, 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 that makes sense. So whenever I see that like someone's been cast, that, that we're in something, but they've been passing the next one, I just think, oh, yeah, this is going to be just flashbacks. Flashbacks. Stuff, yeah, because yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's like it's not going to change the story for me. It kind of it felt like upon a rewatch, she was really it really well set up for a spinoff. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it, but yeah, I think I think it was because like you know she shot Kingpin in the face and escapes on a bike. There's this kind of vibe of yeah, they're, she's going to come back. It felt it feels like the Fugitive, yeah, like incredible yeah. the old Hulk series of mm. like you know kind of a action a dangerous action orientated loner. Travels the highways of America on a bike. <laughs> got, they got some special skills, and they're going to get into some scrapes. Yeah. Um, like, did you see? Um, oh, N- Natasha Leon. Not uh, uh, Poker Face. No, no, I didn't see that. Poker Face is really, really interesting um, and really good. And Natasha Leon's in it. Really, um, I love her. And like, it is set up like similar to a Columbo or mm. an Incredible Hulk. So she's on the run. You get all the setup in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's on the run. 
And because she's on the run from someone that's very powerful, she can't, like, start a new life and settle down anywhere. And so she just runs from these, like, odd, dead-end jobs, under-the-table jobs. So she's in a different town in every episode. And she gets involved in a different, like, complicated crime in every episode. And she's the one that's going to solve it in every episode. And it felt very much like, you know... um, Highway to Heaven and even Knight Rider, although Knight yeah. Rider had a bit more of a basis to it. Well, I was thinking the A Team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, thinking. but just but yeah. but more of a more when it's one character, a loner yeah, going yeah, from yeah. place to place, sorting and out I, people's problems. Yeah. yeah, and I felt like there was kind of a that was that felt like a seventies feel to Meyer kind of at the end going off to have, but then you know prestige dramas don't like that. They want they want what we got here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Maya Lopez could have been the new Columbo. I'd love well to know um, what your thoughts were on uh, Alacqua Cox and her performance um, as, the, as the. I think this is her first major. This is her first anything, or certainly her first. Sorry, major show. I mean, Hawkeye was her first anything. I think. Yeah, there's this. I, I looked at her uh, Wikipedia, and it th- wasn't she like an athlete before, essentially, and then she got into acting. I think well, she was definitely an athlete, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, it's a good performance. But the thing is, this is the first. I think it's the first time I've seen a, a major show or a major film where the lead character is deaf and doesn't speak. Yeah, but, but the communicating with the sign language, it's it's like it's like trying to re- retrain. Like you know, you know, when you judge people on acting. You go how they convey emotion, how they deliver yeah. something, and to see it, you, you do get a lot of the emotion when you're just looking at her face and the way she's sign languaging, and it's just. It's a, it's, a, it's a very unique performance. It was fascinating for me to learn how much I rely on or or, or take in the voice hmm. as such a major part of connecting with a character or do you know what I mean it was it yeah, was a fascinating yeah. experience to go oh I'm like I'm I'm experiencing her in a different way. Yeah. Especially yeah. as a lead. Yeah. Um and what I thought was interesting and I don't know whether this was intentional but it gave and and this may well be because I don't have a huge amount of experience um having relationships um and connections with deaf people or people mm. that can't speak. Um <clears throat> it was it seemed to lend to the character a certain stoicism Mm. and a certain isolation yes yes very much isolation because whilst there are these other people that have learnt sign language we hear all their voices and we never hear hers yeah that's a that's a point yeah yeah and it fed into this character who Mm. is not smiling Mm. not bubbly who is a stoic person mm. who presents themselves as a, as a serious badass. Yeah. You know, and you think of the strong, silent type, it's almost, which is that, that, that trope of a, of a lead action person, it's almost encapsulated by, by, by Alacqua Cox in this. She's literally a strong, silent type. You know, like Gary um, Cooper. 
I yeah, but if you, the Sopranos reference, I'm if so you, sorry. If you think of these tough action people, yeah, like you don't have them talk very often. Think of the Gavani in Terminator. You know, handful of lines because so much of it is about physical performance. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. and stoicism. Stoicism is something that really projects um, power. Yeah, um, it can really re- project this idea of. I am unbothered <laughs> by you in this situation, you know, bouncers she, and that kind of thing. She exudes uh, stoicism in this show. She she really got it down. And it was interesting how much of that, from my take, came from not hearing a voice. Yeah. Um, not hearing a tone and inflection and, 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 and emphasis on words and things like that. Um, and, of course, she... Uh, of course, she's a, a, a good actress. A good actor wouldn't have the role if she wasn't doing so much with her face to convey things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found I found the I found it harder to connect with her yeah, as I do with yeah. characters that have voices. It's there is there is that barrier to get over if you can't hear their voice because it's something we're so used to. It's it's you know you, you, you and I yeah. It's, it's probably a different experience for people that have a lot of experience with people that are deaf and that don't have a voice. And I don't have that experience. So perhaps someone watching this um, who has more of a connection with deaf communities is, is having a very different experience watching this than I do. But mm. I, was, I was really surprised at how, cause gosh, I was thinking, well, to begin with, I thought, it's just going to be subtitles. It's different, <laughs> man. It's really weirdly different. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but I wonder if that not having a not having such a strong connection, you know, and she's also not like um, like a lot of our um, MCU leads are often self-deprecating humor and quips. Yes, yes, exactly. There's a lot of that, but there wasn't really obviously there wasn't much quipping from her because you can't really. I don't. I don't know if people can quip in sign language. They must they be can. able to. Must be able. Yeah, I, but, I tell you. I tell you what. What this. What this. What this series needed hmm. is it biscuit. Biscuits, Biscuit. the, the 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 cousin. Oh yeah, yeah, the name? Bis- yeah, the cousin. Yeah, he needed to be funny, and he and he. And I'm not saying this is a performance issue. Yeah, he didn't have funny stuff to do and say. Yeah, he needed to be because at the end when he's like, "I got an idea," and he rolls up in that massive monster truck. Yeah, it felt like I was meant to go. Yeah, the funny guy did a wild thing, but. He wasn't a funny guy. He was yeah. just a guy. He, he was. He was the. How do you, how do you say? It? He, he wasn't a slob. He was just sort of a. You know, he's a, he's a regular schlub like the rest of us. He's kind of a lackey. Lackey. You know, that's he just followed around and did this, that, and the other. Like I needed him to have been funny. I needed him to have been to have jokes and be funny and make me and make me then go. Oh, he did a cool, crazy like that yeah. moment at the end. Is kind of cool, but it came from a background person that I didn't care about. I have a. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, okay, that guy that. did a thing. Whereas if it was like, oh, hey, you're kind of like, yeah. yeah. I felt that was lacking, personally. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. <clears throat> um, I'd love to talk about the roller rink fight scene. Ah, oh, it was good. It was so good. I, it's so fascinating to hear in part one from Mr. Hollywood <laughs> that they bought this roller rink. There's a real, actual roller rink. They bought it. They demolished half of it and rebuilt it as set. And that mm. comes across because they smashed this place up. And they're playing uh, Dragula by uh, Rob Zombie as well, which I thought oh, was a right. good touch. Oh, right, okay. That's a cool. You know, to the music and yeah, yeah. to the wit. You know, it's, to, it's a great to, song. to those of us of a certain generation, it is the SmackDown theme music from 
whatever period of time. Was um, it the SmackDown theme music? Yeah, theme music regular. to SmackDown, the TV Amazing. show, and then, of course, the very popular video game as well. Because when, you, when you're when you playing SmackDown, it just plays in the background as you're selecting characters and matches and stuff. I have to look this up now. No, you, you can save it for later, because we're doing a show. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the fact that they, they bought this, this demolished half of it and rebuilt it as set comes across because they're like... They smash through walls. Absolutely. Yeah. She smashes. Like, sometimes you don't see that in, in... Like, a set is very obviously a set, and a location mm. is a location. This was a location, and they were smashing it up. And it really <laughs> came across like that. I was like, yeah. I can't believe they're doing that. Um, something in the back of my mind from, like, film school is going, Oh, God, that's going to cost them. Um, <laughs> and I love... She put, like, the skee-ball ball in her coats or something yes was just hammering that dude with it that was so <laughs> like that i just i i liked it felt like if you're making a modern dumb fun like um what's a good example what's the zombie movie with um with all the people in emma stone's in it oh zombie zombieland, zombieland yeah. right if you're making a big fun action sequence in a yeah. set and you're gonna go cool we're gonna set it in a roller rink they're gonna use ski balls yeah yeah they're gonna yeah. use um roller skates as weapons yeah they're gonna use arcade games as well like that's very much what it felt like that, that director or whoever went in went in this that and she's gonna use a roller i really thought it was so much fun and the best bit has got to be when she grabs maya grabs the um, arcade shooting guns out of the shooting arcade game. They've got, as we all know, they come with those really thick cables yes. that connect the gun to the machine. She yanks them out and uses them as like nunchucks. <laughs> it was so cool. It's this like the director because... said earlier, they just went, well, there's not much we can do in this episode, so we just went for it and they yeah. didn't hold back. Yeah, it's, it's a like... bottle episode, so we're not really advancing the plot. Yeah. We're dancing around the status quo. We're dealing with feelings and emotions and how they're reacting to the plot. And But we have the option to make an action bottle episode, which was brilliant. I just, and maybe it's because I, I take my niece and my, my godsons to the arcade quite a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. The big, it's the big birthday treat at this age. And so I'm in an arcade lots. And the idea of just like smashing one up was really cool. Um, I I think they also did a good job in that episode of making like the two female accomplices to the kidnapper. Yeah, you kind of went, I want to see you get your ass kicked. They they were awful, weren't they? That that little group. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, we we don't have much going on, but we need some money, and we don't even care if the person is trustworthy or not. It's like you guys have obviously you're going to get played. Like and a, from the, a, a from the Welsh office. gangster. That's always fun to have. Welsh. Wasn't the, the the main gangster in that episode is Welsh, isn't he? Oh, I can't. Bloody hell. Yeah, he I is. I don't remember a Welsh guy. Jeez, I'm really. Do so you think it was American? Oh, God, <laughs> or you not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain. Fairly certain the, uh, the, the main guy coming in on behalf of the Kingpin is Welsh. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I've seen him in other stuff as well. Um, yeah. That was fun. So we've touched on this briefly, but. It's a it's a violent, bloody show, and I wasn't yeah. expecting it going in. I hadn't heard, I don't think, that this was going to be violent and bloody. I was expecting the same presentation of action that you'd get in an Avengers movie or that we got in even Hawkeye, you know? Hmm. So I was surprised to see people being shot in the head, 
yeah, uh, things was, being cut off and yeah, there, there was a, there's a proper good headshot. You know, you got to see the the the, the did you, yeah, I think I saw an exit wound. You know, you probably not shot someone falls over, shot there's a yeah. bullet hole in him and there's blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you pointed out that the 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 kingpin losing it on the hot dog vendor. Yeah, that was that was proper. Yeah, beating him in an alley and he gets blood on his white suit. It's like, yeah, was, we're, we're getting was, there. We're getting there. It was similar to... Um, <clears throat> oh, it's gone right out of my mind. It was similar to... Oh, the car the car door scene oh, in um, Daredevil, which is brutal. You embarrass me in front of Vanessa. I'm not going... I, I, I don't think they're ever going to top the violence level like, like that scene because that was no, just no. grim. Nor do they have to, particularly. They don't, but... they don't have to. No, no. It'd be nice if they aimed towards it, but not get there with, with Daredevil stuff. What do you? I mean, business-wise, is 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 it is it smart for Marvel to do more adult things that kids when, can't get into? When it's certain things, yeah. I mean, certain certain characters. Obviously, if they if they did something <clears> with the Punisher, don't know when that's if and when that's going to happen. But obviously, if we had something like that, definitely. And maybe Daredevil, but you don't have to bother with it for the rest of it. You have these little avenues where you go, "Hey, here's something if you want to see a bit more claret." It's why I I, I think I agree with you, um, and it's why I have such a problem with like Matt Reeves' Batman being a fifteen. Like it's Batman. Oh, my kid, my kids have to, my my godsons have to see Batman. What are you doing? Like they're so disappointed they can't see Batman. I don't think they'd like it anyway. Make a Batman movie they'll like. They're kids. What are you doing? Why have you made a Batman movie kids can't see? Who was in that meeting? <laughs> or, or, or or Matt Reeves' Batman movie, this this kind of to me feels indulgent, right? And it's for it's for forty five to sixty year old men with beards to enjoy. That's cool. Put it on a streaming service. Yeah. But in the movies, give us a Batman with a yeah. Batmobile and toys. What are you doing? Although I did so, love the Batman, I will agree. I would like a silly. I don't. You know, it need to, I don't want it to be silly, but something more kid friendly. I want. I want my eleven-year-old godson to be able to go and see the movie he really wants to see. Um, yeah, and so I think there's that that kind of disparity where you can go. Oh, when we do when we do. What are they going to call it? Marvel Spotlight. When we do Echo, or when we do The Punisher, mm. we can do these flights of, of violence, but we don't need to bring it into the next Iron Man movie or whatever it might be. Am I? You think I'm on the right path there? Yeah. I. 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 I Is that I, what I, you're thinking? Just about. Yeah. You don't want to see tons of violence in the next. No. No. no Avengers like what, movie. What, what I said. It's like what I said. What, what I said earlier. I said, look, don't do it in your main stuff, but have these little. Yeah, like maybe a film, because I mean, Doctor Strange two had some pretty, yeah, pretty, you know, ooh, horror, moments, horror moments, yeah, horror, horror moments, but moments of uh, violence. Do that, but not not make it like a regular thing. Just sure. make it like every you know every every now and again. Vincent D'Onofrio um, returned as the kingpin in Echo, and it's great to see him back. Um, I think he probably was the highlight of the series. Oh God, yes. I mean. It's 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 one of those things where it's like this is this is uh, a Liquid Cox Myers show, but we are all kind of going ah. I came really here. Really want to see Kingpin? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't want to make it all about him because it feels a bit a bit weird. 
because they're doing all this thing of like, hey, we've done this stuff with the Choctaw tribes and, and really thinking about it and doing all this. And it's like, hey, we've got that big white guy you like. <laughs> yeah. But it's but that's that's because it's a character we already have a bond with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the stick on the carrot. It's the way of luring us in, isn't it, really? I have to say, I didn't think the presentation of the character and the conduct I, it it the same it was the same with with hawkeye it's not the same kingpin as yeah. from daredevil there's it, something just ever so slightly to the left or to the right of the character we the very the intensity isn't there it's i don't know you're not a twin peaks fan are you I've seen a fair bit of it, but I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a fan of it. Well, when they did the third season, which of course came oh, twenty five years yeah. later, which is the best, <clears throat> one of the best thing David Lynch has ever done. I absolutely adored it. One of the characters on there had had no had lost all his intensity. Um, mm. He's the uh, he, I think it's Miguel Ferreira, the guy who was in RoboCop. Okay. He, he, he plays another FBI agent, and he, he he was always really intense in it when he was talking with this, you know stoic anger almost and in, in the third season is that's not there so i know what you mean he's kind of there but he kind of isn't he's there he's talking but you're there going you're not the same person are you yeah yeah i i sometimes it feel it, it in the in the daredevil in the netflix stuff it felt like vincent d'onofrio was the kingpin and yeah. this it feels like he's playing a character okay yeah and some stuff just didn't quite resonate. Like, I don't think that Kingpin, who was so careful, would run out into the street and beat up a food <laughs> vendor in broad daylight in front of people. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, there is that element where he is careful about his public image. But at the same time, he is rich and powerful enough to make problems go away. And at the same sure, time, it is yeah. at night, it is in an alley, he has his men nearby. It wasn't at night at all, it was broad daylight. Oh, it was broad daylight, sorry. Because she'd just come out of school. It was like that's... three o'clock in the afternoon. And he dragged a guy into an alley off the street. And, yeah, you know, if you're showing okay. if you're showing a younger version of the Wilson Fisk when he's more erratic or whatever, but there was nothing to say that to us, and it just felt a little off. And there was something as like, the level of criminal he's kind of associating with and dealing with in this is so like in the debt in the netflix stuff and daredevil series he is surrounded and just so completely protected yeah he's just untouchable especially in that 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 third series and in this it was you know these wacky welsh gangster man calling him and and he's, I don't know, the tracksuit mafia work for him, and I don't know. Yeah, it was just... it's, it feels diminished. But the thing, I haven't seen season three of Daredevil. Then you haven't seen the best season, to my I, mind. I find it hard to believe because seasons one <coughs> and two were fantastic. But if you're telling me, if you're telling me season three of Daredevil is the best one, then I'm going to have to hurry up with my Defenders rewatch. Yeah. Um, speaking of Defenders um, and Daredevil... Um, I, I, I thought we were going to get more Daredevil in this, and I was disappointed by, by, by it being a one-scene extended kind of cameo. I don't know if I was disappointed. I was like, oh, that's fine, because like, I'm not going to get enough, enough Daredevil until they bring a Daredevil, you know, until they do the actual show. 
I'm all, it's always going to I'm always expecting it to be little cameos here and there. So I was just like, ah, I saw a bit of him. That's fine. <coughs> See, I, I by the fact that I I wasn't because I I kind of quickly got the I knew wasn't Fisk was going to be in lots of episodes. So I I was hoping that we get the same with Murdoch. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was I don't know, man. I I if, I think having more of Daredevil in it would have muddied up the narrative a bit it would have done and it would have diminished the presentation mm. of Maya as the lead yeah definitely but Def- then it would have been oh now it would have been now. more exciting and interesting <laughs> which is what i want i am not that concerned about marvel's uh business concerns i want exciting entertaining things to watch and it would have been better <laughs> with him in it would have been better if this was a daredevil show might be what i'm saying that wow. might have been wow you coming out and saying it jeez well no i mean that's pretty obvious what would you rather have and the daredevil series or echo okay okay yeah, there you go yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean I, it's I probably you know that's probably not a great thing to say but there it's not go. a great thing to say but i know it, but there's, it's not a great it's, thing to say but there's a better way of saying it i think <laughs> yeah i just i don't know i was i was hoping that perhaps daredevil would help because they've got a connection in the comics as well, that perhaps oh, Daredevil would help her find the hero. Like an ep- like if there was a whole, here's what I want: a whole episode with Daredevil where he helps Maya find the right path. Yeah, one episode. So he's that, got that a, a connection to her, yeah. and he's the reason that you know that's what that was. Kind no, of I, it. I I agree. I agree. It it would have. Yeah, it could have actually added to the narrative as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we now have um, the 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 Netflix shows are officially part of the MCU. Yes, announced by Fiji, and it's on the app and everything. That feels like kind of a big moment. Um, I don't know. Maybe it feels like a big moment for me because I hold those shows in high esteem. Maybe it isn't big for. Anybody else? What do you think? Is it is it feel important or is it just oh it's, cool? It doesn't change anything, does it? it really? No, no. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like it's it doesn't mean anything to me unless yeah. they unless they're going they're they're now fish part of MCU and we're bringing Luke Cage, Iron sure. Fist, everything into the fold in future projects. Then I'd be excited. But this is just a retroactive, almost like they've ticked a box. Just gone. Yes, that's technically now in that column now. Okay. I, I suppose for me, it's like that thing I talked about in part one, I think, where it is much, much, much more satisfying to know that these stories count in inverted commas. Yeah. I don't yeah. like I don't like these things where, oh well, the inhumans, we're doing the inhuman we're doing I don't like that we do Craven and it's not in the Marvel Universe, or we've done the Inhumans but it's not in the MCU, or uh, that we're gonna get Madam Web and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Venom, Venom, and Venom, Venom, Venom and it's not. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. They don't count. If you're not in my shtick, my main universe, it doesn't count to me. It's a side thing. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. wholly more satisfying that these shows that I really, really loved. They count now. They they were all. I was watching the MCU the whole time. Um, yeah, that yeah. it has affected other um, places and characters in weird and, and, and odd ways. And so we get a, a version of the Punisher and we get, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think may, maybe it's because I just, I, I love the Daredevil character and I love that series. Mm. I, I just don't want it to be kind of, 
oh, it's the same as Ghost Rider. It doesn't count. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, there you yeah. go. In the same in the same breath as Morbius and Spirit of Vengeance goes the Daredevil show. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that. But I, I, I just always saw them as part of the MCU anyway, but and me too, until yeah. we started looking into it. And then it was like, what? They're not? That felt like someone pulled the rug out from under me and said, yeah. No, 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 no. The thing you really like doesn't count. No, 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 no. I, I disagree with them and I just go, No, to me they are. You can't tell me what isn't no, it? they can. They do. They are in charge. No, that's that's wrong. I don't like that either. <laughs> You're not in charge of what is and isn't canon. I lived through Crisis on Infinite Earths. You suddenly your world changes around you, and Superman's not Superman anymore. Oh, you just have to go with it because otherwise you're not playing the game properly. All you can do is just stop reading the comics and giving them money altogether. <laughs> and the same with the MCU. If they keep taking things away. I don't know what you do. You quit. <laughs> I guess you quit. Yeah, but I think it's better now that they are. In my, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't change anything, does it? <laughs> it's just it in my heart. It does it's not. In my heart, will it counts? It feels like they kind of wanted to say it at some point, but they sort of need to. You know, you know when like they pass bills in government. And they, they yeah. put so they sneak something in, just go, oh, we'll get it part. It feels like that. It's like, oh, we've got to say it somewhere. We'll just say it there. Okay. There you go. Press release done. In this episode, that is about a main character who is deaf to the world. Make sure you're not being deaf to this podcast. Hear our call. Join us on the battle lines. Marvel versus Marvel. Need your help to stay on the air. It's time to step up. And just like Mayor Lopez. It's time for you to make amends for the sins of your past. <laughs> and those sins, ladies and gentlemen, are not giving us cash, money, cheddar to help the show. Everyone that subscribes to us on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, everyone on there is part of our community. They help to build this podcast. They help to keep us on the air. And we reserve our very best episodes just for them. Every month we release a full-length bonus episode taking a deep dive to a Marvel story, um, bringing back all the uh, history and the trivia and everything. We've done some incredible episodes in the past on things like the Kang Dynasty, the Infinity Gauntlet, the Spider-Verse, the Secret Invasion, the Civil War. Massive, massive episodes that pull apart everything that happened in the comics. Um, and they're always kind of eye-opening, aren't they, Will? They're always different to the... Even if, like, the Civil War had a movie and the Secret Invasion had <laughs> a TV series, our bonus ones are completely different, right? Oh, God, there's so much difference in them. And there's tons and tons going on. This month, we're taking a deep dive into the fall of Wilson Fisk, Ooh. one of the best Daredevil stories ever told. The Kingpin is shot and blinded by Mayor Lopez, kicking off a chain reaction of terrible events that wreak havoc in Hell's Kitchen and forever change the life of Matt Murdock as we get the fall of the Kingpin. Um, so it spins off from this episode today on Echo, and it's going to take you to one of the biggest, biggest, most well-received Daredevil stories mm. of all time. And it's not just us looking at comic book events. This year on Patreon, we're bringing you movies, full-length movie episodes... Um, which we've never done before, and we're really excited to do. Um, I know we've got some ideas in the pipeline, Will, that you're looking forward to, but we're starting 
in March on Patreon, we thought we need to start with something controversial. We need to start with something that people know about that has characters and, and cool comic history we can look at. Not a Marvel movie. Let's take a look at a Zack Snyder affair, a painful, painful movie. Let's make Will <laughs> and me suffer. We're going to be tackling Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice exclusively on Patreon in March. Um, sign up today to get access. Uh, you're looking, how are you looking forward to that one, Will? 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> 29%. I but I remember seeing this in the cinema Same. with my friend, and we both went. We went because we heard the bad reviews. Wow, the bad reviews were massive, and we. Oh. I, I, I I messaged him. I said, "We've got to go and see this this garbage bag of a movie." Um, and there was a lot of. I just couldn't. I still couldn't believe it. Um, so that's what's going on. Um, there are tons and tons of very cool bonus episodes that deep dive. Marvel comic stories, and this year we're even going to be adding in full-length movie episodes to the uh, the bonus tier on Patreon. Um, you can also get um, early access to every single show ad-free. That's at the middling tier of just five Brexit pounds um, per month. Um, you can get me and Will on every Friday with no ads whatsoever. We know times are tough, which is why. You can also support us for as little as £3 a month, less than the cost of a Starbucks, less than the cost of a beer, one payment once a month, and it will really help the show going. Um, and in exchange, you'll get access to Obscure Marvel every month, which is a mini-show where me and Will dive into the trash cans of the Marvel Universe to bring you the most ridiculous characters and stories. Um, this month, we had the very first appearance of the Green Goblin and a plan of his... Hmm. that you just if you if you think will if you sat down as a bad guy and wrote out your plan to destroy a superhero <laughs> do you think it would ever involve what happened in this month's obscure marvel never not one part of it N the whole thing was just ridiculous and a surprise appearance by the hulk for no reason um <laughs> that's uh available every month obscure marvel so look there's so many cool bonus um kind of uh rewards you get for your pledge you can get access to obscure marvel everyone gets that if you go up a tier you can get early access ad free shows every month if you go up a tier from that you can get full length bonus episodes which will include some of the movies we're doing this year like batman versus superman dawn of justice that we're doing in march um, and if you go up a tier from that you get our undying love and you get to join the world-class wrecking crew with so many cool people Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Be part of this community, help the podcast out, get cool bonus features. Well, Will, we've we've pulled apart Hawkeye series and the Echo series. We've done the behind the scenes and the behind the page on Mayor Lopez. But I know that coming out of this series, you had questions about the comic book version of, of Mayor, her origins and all of that. And, and what do they take and use for these for these shows and what didn't they? So mm. lay it on me, Daddy-O. What questions have you got about Echo? I think we first question is something we kind of touched on anyway. But I think we might as well just hammer it home here. Is Echo a hero or a villain? 
Um, yeah, it's it's. It, 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 it's even it's more it's more simple than like so if you were to say that about the comic book Electra you'd say that she I mean very much femme fatale, femme fatale she starts as a complicated she starts as a villain pure yeah. straight villain and then gets complicated and then becomes a hero and then swings back and forth a bit of like Catwoman I was literally just extent. about to say Catwoman yeah e- Echo's a bit more straight down the line not well she is yeah she's a, she's a, she's there she's a hero perhaps an anti-hero but she is a hero that makes sense um and yeah it's 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 complex at the start but she believes she's doing the right thing as an anti-hero yeah mm. so that's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, for I the was, majority, a hero. I really wanted to say anti-hero, but I thought you'd be like, "That's nah, not that simple." It's like, but you know, I think anti-hero is the correct box. Cool. So in the chemic in the comic books, I mean, Echo is deaf, right? And but is she also like uh, an amputee, <coughs> like in the MCU as well? No, no, she's not an amputee. Um, no, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't remember that being in the Hawkeye thing. I don't no. know whether that's because. Um, uh, the the actor portraying uh, May Lopez as an amputee, so that was incorporated in. Um, but no, uh, but yes, she is. She is deaf. Um, she is mm. born deaf <clears throat> in the comics. But due to her in, in, incredible lip reading from an early age, she is not diagnosed as deaf for a very long time. Oh. Um, she's a bit of a child prodigy. Um, she's she's initially placed in a school for children with special needs, and in fact the the R slur is used um, about her a couple of times Ooh, in the comics, okay. um, not not in a in a negative way. You know how slurs slurs and sometimes in storytelling are used by characters to let you know that's yeah. a bad character or the situation that the character yeah, yeah, the yeah. protagonist is going through is quite bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it, at this school, she displays an incredible talent for playing the piano whilst being deaf. She's a virtuoso in the in the piano, oh, wow. and is then placed in a school for brilliant child proteges. Um, so her, her deafness doesn't always play a factor in that. Um, in in the comic books, there's no indication that May's speech has been affected by her deafness, which is a little strange. Um, it could simply be that they haven't like how would you denote that that the sound of the way she talks is whispered like it could be or they, they there's nothing there's nothing like that there's no there's no indication that her speech has been impacted by her deafness that might however be that the people writing the comic mm. are displaying an ignorance of, of of deafness and how it works it's kind of hard to tell um several stories emphasize that maya is a lip reader in a world of superheroes that often cover their faces. <laughs> so when she interacts with the Avengers for the first time, yeah. she cannot understand Iron Man. <laughs> of course, she can't hear him. Yeah, Iron Man, <clears throat> Iron Man's speech comes out of speakers in his armor. Yeah. So Captain America has to repeat everything Iron Man says, and the same with Spider Man, full Aww. face mask. So Spider Man has to roll his mask up whenever he's talking to. To Maya, um, but then there's also been times where, very incorrectly, writers and artists have either forgotten about this <sighs> or just ignored it. And she's it's drawn a lot of criticism from fans. Times when uh, 
Echo is responding to a character that has their back to her or mm. responding to Iron Man, who she can't understand, or, you know, some other character wearing a full face mask. So when writers who are invested in the character, n- namely like Brian Michael Bendis, you know, and, and David Mack, the, co- the co-creator and things, when they're invested in Maya, mm. then everyone does it properly. Sometimes when it's a cluttered group ensemble scene <laughs> and people are, you know, just getting through a, another Marvel crossover, <laughs> they forget. I can understand. <clears throat> so in the TV show, we see that Maya gains a lot of powers connected to her ancestry. Like, what powers does Echo have in the comics? Yeah, I wish they, in the TV show, I wish they'd given us a definitive explanation of what her powers are. They were very, t- they, they prodded around it by showing, not, a, you know, a, a, not a flashback, but like, you know, years and years before. Again, we need that line, she has the power to echo the abilities of her ancestors. That's all I need, that explains everything. Boom, um, job done. In the comics, she is, um, so she is an Olympic level athlete. Mm-hmm. She is an incredible athlete, but she possesses photographic reflexes, um, which is the ability to perfectly copy someone's movement once she sees it. Wasn't that um, another person's ability? The as taskmaster. Well? The taskmaster. Yes. 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 So copying someone else's movement when she sees it—that's why she's called Echo because she can right. echo people's abilities and movements. Um, so her introduction, her, her, her introductory story is wonderful. We see her perform <clears throat> the most incredible classical piano recital, despite being deaf. She perfectly Ooh. replicates the exact movements and timings um, of the world's greatest pianists. And then we see her win championship boxing matches against big men by perfectly <laughs> replicating the boxing styles of Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard. Oscar de la Hoya, um, and she plays street basketball and leaves all the male players stunned as she replicates shots from Michael Jordan and moves from Kobe. And and then she's the same with the ballet. She performs this incredible dance, kind of a a, a modern ballet that moves everyone to tears. And she's replicating, you know, videos she's seen of these incredible um, ballerinas. I love it. I love it. She watches video footage of Daredevil fighting Bullseye, and she soon becomes able to fight like both of these men at the same time. She's able to replicate ninja-based fighting style of Daredevil and the expert marksmanship of Bullseye by watching, ah, his shoulder moves like this, his arm moves like that, his Mm. hands and his fingers move like that. Yes. That's how you throw a dart so good it kills someone. Um, so that's the level of, of her ability to emulate. Um, and as Echo joins the Avengers, she begins encountering more incredible fighters like Iron Fist, Spider-Woman, Captain America. She begins to replicate and echo their fighting style and movement as well and become better, yeah. although she is limited. She's never going to be as strong as Captain America, Spider-Woman, Iron Fish. She can't... The mystic element of Iron Fish, she can't replicate. Obviously, The en- yeah. enhanced biology of Captain America, she can't replicate. But the style, the movement, mm. that's what she can copy. That I know that um, is it King Canuck wrote something in about how some people don't... He's he's very much in the in the 
the Twitter sphere and the online space. So he perhaps hears more than I do about these sort of things. Some people don't like her because she can use oh. her. Sorry, because she, she can do everything, anything basically. Yeah, kind of but power, that yeah. that isn't. It, first of all, that's that's her power set, and it's but it's capped at the yeah. human level, and yeah, uh, I I you know, though there is something to be said for. Perhaps she doesn't represent deafness terribly well, um, in in the comic books because she was able to lip read as a baby or something like that, or a ch- <laughs> you know that that's kind of weird, and and deafness. She's she's like she. I think she's meant to be like a hundred percent deaf deaf from childhood, but yeah. can speak fine. So that perhaps might not be yeah. That's, that's practical that's, and might not be representing the deaf community very well. I'm not too much, sure, but yeah, I was about to say I don't know how much you can replicate people's movements that well. I don't think it's going to you know go towards. It speaking. may well be that her speech um, is has been impacted by. Her deafness okay. in the way that when you hear deaf people speak, there's a there's a difference. But it's not been presented in the comic. Do you know what I mean? How would that be presented in a comic? I don't well, know. Also, with speech, there's a lot of stuff going on inside someone's mouth that you can't see. And yeah, but what I'm saying is, oh, sorry, it yeah. may well be that she sounds like every deaf person that you would normally speak to in here in everyday life, and that her speech has been affected by her deafness. Mm. But perhaps that hasn't. No one in the comic book world uh, has yeah. found a way to present that on a page using typed words. Yeah, because all I'm thinking of it right now is, for God's sake, don't let Garth Ennis write write her, because it will just be... You know you know when he does, like, uh, how someone speaks after they've, like, like especially with Arseface? Right, okay, yeah. got you. And it will be like... Yeah, I don't think that's a consideration. <laughs> that's, yeah, don't do that. So... What's Echo's relationship with Kingpin in the original stories? Is it pretty much like the same protege uh, master thing going? Yeah, on? so they they take a lot. The series takes a lot from the comics in that respect. Um, her, her dad, William Lincoln, known as Crazy Horse, was a um, an, an indigenous American of the of the Cheyenne Nation, but also secretly a, a mob enforcer. Uh, um, and working for the kingpin they were good friends but at one point we don't have much of a background on this he just outlived his usefulness and so fisk shoots him dead um and as he's about to shoot him uh lincoln asks his last words asks fisk to take care of his daughter and mm. wilson fisk like honors that forever. That is a weird time to ask that. <laughs> uh, when else do you ask it? You're about to die. But yeah, but it's the like, last thought you have in this world will be of your child. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like the guy who kills you, and it's like uh, it's a bit of a weird dynamic. So in your, you go, just give us a minute, uh, Wilson. I just need to ring around and see if anyone can look <laughs> after my daughter forever. I mean, if you can. Um, <laughs> and when, when. Maya finds that he's dying. His um, he puts his bloody hand on her face and leaves the handprint. And I think uh, we see that in the in the in the um, series as well. Mm. Now, in the comics, when she goes on to kind of become something of a costume adventurer, she paints a white handprint on her face. Yeah. Um. In 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 the same sort of style as her dad's handprint. Uh, um, okay. So in, in the comics, though, the kingpin doesn't train 
Maya to be a gangster. He doesn't have her involved in organised crime or anything like that. It's very different. He simply financially supports her mm. and emotionally supports her as well. He he enrolls her in the best schools and supports her creative endeavours and her wow. athletic endeavours. Like, in all those scenes I talked about where she's uh, piano recital, boxing match, um, dance performance, the kingpin is in the front row applauding, beaming with pride in every one. So there is, a, there is an attempt of like a fatherly, paternal um, relationship there. Hmm. But he does try and turn her into a tool, as he does with everyone. So he does tell Maya that her father's murdered by Daredevil, his oldest enemy uh, who yeah. spreads malicious lies about me and convinced convinced people that I'm a criminal. And Maya completely believes all of that. Um, because Fisk essentially raised her. And then the kingpin decides to use her as, 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 a, as a, a tool in the war against Daredevil. Um, after several fierce battles with Daredevil, uh, Maya does realise that she's been manipulated by the kingpin mm. and used like a weapon against an innocent man and she realises that Fisk is the man that really murdered her father yeah so she does take revenge on the kingpin and she does shoot him in the face and it permanently blinds him in the comics wow um, and that changes the status quo of the Daredevil comic because now Daredevil and the kingpin are both blind <laughs> <laughs> and it puts that as an interesting spin on things. Amazing. And Fisk tries to carry on as the kingpin of crime with this new life-changing disability. And this disability is seen by all the men who work for him as a weakness. Ooh. And for the first time ever, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, is seen as weak by the criminal underworld. And that's very dangerous. And oh, God, yeah. A mafia wise guy called Sammy Silk sees this as an opportunity to yeah. seize control of the whole empire, and that leads to the downfall in many ways of both Kingpin and Daredevil in different ways. That full story is our bonus deep dive this month on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. I can't wait. It just reminded me of that bit in The Sopranos where he got shot and then uh, he beats that guy up just to, you know, so he's not weak. Yeah. There's, um, so Brian Michael Bendis, who's the writer of this story, is uh, very plugged in on crime noir and crime thrillers and stuff and reads an, an awful lot of, like, the true crime stuff. And mm. there was something along the lines of, never in the history of organised crime has any boss displayed a weakness and not immediately been murdered. Oh, yeah, it's always the case. It's, it's just how it, how it goes. Yeah. So we mentioned Daredevil there. What's her relationship like with Daredevil? I imagine they're enemies for quite some time. It's, it, it's part love affair and part deadly encounter. Of course it is. It's Daredevil. It's Daredevil. The thing to remember is that Wilson Fisk knows Matt Murdock's secret identity, mm. holds it to himself, and uses it when he sees fit. 
The rest of the world doesn't know anything. So a recent murder by one of Fisk's men has put Murdoch hot on the Kingpin's case. And the Kingpin needs to take Daredevil out of the picture immediately and completely. And in the past, he's tried to destroy Daredevil by taking everything away from him and ruining his life. Mm. And he goes, that was a mistake because Murdoch, like me, thrives with that kind of adversity. When he's a, he, he rebuilt his life, he came back stronger. That's not how to beat this man. To mm. beat this man, you give him something he's been missing and then you twist the knife. You poison his life with happiness and love and then he'll never see it coming. Ooh. So he analyzes Matt Murdock brilliantly because he knows everything about Matt Murdock. And he's like, grew up without a mother, and that made him desperately search out for a replacement for that love with women like Electra and Karen Page. And he said, like, uh, Karen Page understood Matt Murdock, mm. Electra understood Daredevil, but none of those women knew what it's like to go through life with a disability that completely alters how you view the world. Yeah, I get that. And then he realizes Maya is the perfect woman for Matt Murdock. <laughs> and also, because of her dad, she's the perfect assassin for Daredevil. She's both at the same time. So he orchestrates this. Maya goes to convince Matt Murdock, <clears throat> the lawyer, to leave Wilson Fisk alone. And she professes her innocence. And Matt Murdock, who is a human lie detector, because he can hear you... Your heartbeat, your pulse, your sweat, everything. He knows that Maya's telling the truth. And that confuses mm. things. He's like, okay, so she's she's essentially the Kingpin's daughter, but she's not part of his criminal empire because she's not lying to me. So mm. that complicates everything. But they have yeah. this very strong attraction to each other. And it quickly blossoms into this love affair. Depicted really brilliantly. There's a wonderful small moment that doesn't really further like you know people talk these days about oh that's all filler stuff that doesn't further the plot it's a <laughs> lovely scene where they've they've gone out and they've had like a, a like a long date day around the city mm. and they've had a few drinks with dinner and they go to a cinema a blind man and a deaf woman go together to the cinema <laughs> where they're just being loud because Matt has to keep telling Maya what's happened on this, uh, what people are saying, and Maya has to keep telling Matt what is actually happening on the screen, and everyone around them is yelling at them, "Shut up!" and they're just laughing, and and eventually they get kicked out, and they come like bursting out of the cinema, laughing and kind of arms around each other, yeah. and Matt's got popcorn all over his hair because someone's dumped popcorn all over him, and she oh, starts lovely. to. She starts to eat the popcorn out of his hair. And it's just a really, it's just a great moment that kind of hits you with this thing of, oh, what a real connection. What a, a you know, it's a real rom com kind of moment. Yeah, um, I like that. That's good. But at the same time, Maya is training vigorously to kill Daredevil because she doesn't know it's the same guy. Um, and she, start, she starts to, so this is where she, she um, paints the white hand on her face. Mm. Um, Kingpin gives her the gun that was used to murder her father. It's a golden gun for some reason, and she take <laughs> she like has it strapped to her chest because mm. she's gonna when she finds Daredevil, she's gonna kill him with the same gun. Mm. And she has this battle with a series of battles with Daredevil, which are brilliant because Daredevil keeps 
everything he does, she does immediately back. Mm. Um, and she even spots that she's using bullseye's moves against him, and <coughs> he can't evade her. And yeah, it's um, it's really it's really uh, a, a good good kind of sequence. And then he, he reveals who he is and, and convinces her that. Fisk was actually the man responsible for my death, for her father's death, mm. and then years later, when Captain America is looking for a spy that can kind of infiltrate the criminal underworld, keep tabs on the criminal underworld in Japan, and needs someone that can fight like a ninja, Matt doesn't go himself as he originally intended, but he recruits um, Echo to become Ronin. Ooh, okay. So, well, apart from her father. Uh, do any other uh, of Maya's family feature in the comic books? This is a sort of, but not really. <laughs> like, I don't think, no, basically no. But in the TV series, Maya's uncle is called Black Crow. Okay. That's his nickname, isn't it? Mm. The the, uh, the roller rink is called Black Crow's. Yeah, yeah. They call him Black Crow a couple of times. Black Crow is a, a, a Marvel character in the comics. I knew you were going to say that. Um <laughs> Uh, Jesse Blackcrow, a member of the Navajo Nation, um, ends up, uh, he leaves the reservation in New Mexico, mm. um, moves to New York, ends up a construction worker on skyscrapers. Um, he's 20 stories up one day, the scaffolding gives way, he plunges to the ground from 20 stories. He survives somehow, but he's permanently paralyzed from the waist down, and he's in a coma. Ooh. And whilst he's in a coma, he receives a vision from the spirit of the earth that shows him the plight of the Native American, the indigenous American people. And when needed, the spirit transforms him into Black Crow, a mystical warrior and protector of his people. Mm. Um, he has superhuman abilities, strength, speed, durability, and all that. Um, he's... Uh, can fight suddenly, which he can walk, first of all. He's no longer um, paralyzed from the waist down. He can transform into a black crow and he can summon <laughs> mist and fog and things and he can teleport himself and, and others to this kind of um, the other dimensional land of the, of the Anasazi, which is a Native American myth. <coughs> but he doesn't know he's doing it. Um, it all happens to him while he's asleep. Oh, uh, wow. So he transforms into Black Crow. He's merely an unconscious passenger with only a vague recollection of what's happened. He thinks he's losing his mind and being delusional. Um, the first time he kind of knocks around, he goes to challenge Captain America to a trial by combat because as a symbol of modern America, Captain America has to be punished to appease the spirit of the earth mm. uh, and to try to heal this conflict between what modern America has done to the indigenous people of America. And they have a fight and they eventually reconcile and become allies and, and things like that. He, 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 through the 80s and 90s, becomes something of a spiritual mentor to several characters like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and things like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. So you've mentioned Echo joins the Avengers in the comics. Uh, does that last for long? Um, well, she's there for some big stuff, but... So 
The Avengers, after we find out that Ronin is Maya Lopez, they leave her in Japan to gather intel on the Hand and Hydra, mm. because that's the big thing. The Hand and Hydra are now working together, mm. and Elektra seems to be in charge. Right. <coughs> they kind of leave her there and forget about her, because the superhero civil war breaks out in America. The Avengers are suddenly no longer united. Ah... Uh. We now have Tony Stark's official Avengers who are going around with S.H.I.E.L.D. hunting down Captain America's Rebel Avengers team. An old business like Japan gets left behind. <clears throat> but while she's out there on her own, Maya is murdered by Elektra and the Hand, who then use their dark magic, which they or want to do, the Hand, <clears throat> to resurrect her as a mind-controlled member of the Hand. And Cap and his Rebel Avengers arrive to rescue her. Mm. Doctor Strange purges the the black magic from her body. She returns to her own mind. She goes into a blind rage to get revenge. Stabs Elektra to death. Ooh. And when Elektra dies, she's revealed to be a shape-shifting scroll. Oh... This is how the secret invasion kicks off. I remember now. Yeah, cause I, just, I remember you, us going over that episode. Yeah, yeah so that's... We, we, we covered this, um, and you can check it all out, a huge bonus episode covering the secret invasion on our Patreon. The, forget what the TV show is. The story is a brilliant, isn't it, Will? It's really, really great. Mm, and yeah, that yeah, episode's yeah. really, really good. Um, so, Alec- so Echo is kind of instrumental in, in, in the key moment of that. Um, and she has many battles alongside the, the, the Avengers in Americas, and she goes back to America with them, and she fights during the secret invasion. The... Manhattan symbiote outbreak. Um, <clears throat> and it's during this time, this is important, it's during this time that Clint Barton returns to the Avengers and Maya gifts, Ronin, gifts Clint Barton the Ronin costume and identity. Ooh. She gives it to him. Right, so that's <clears throat> how he becomes Ronin. Right, because he's no him. longer Hawkeye. Yeah. So that's ironic bit of trivia given the Maya Barton Ronin dynamic in the MCU. Mm. Um, <clears throat> she's the first Ronin and he's the second. And then after the secret invasion, she kind of drifts away from the team. Um, and there's no real explanation other than um, she's always been an outsider on the team, she mm. says. Uh, but then more than a decade later, Maya returns to the Avengers comic when the Phoenix Force arrives on Earth in search of a new host. Oh, boy. The Phoenix creates a globe-spanning tournament akin to Street Fighter where <laughs> various champions get a small portion of the Phoenix power and battle each other in exciting Marvel locations to determine who will become the new Phoenix. Maya's pitted against Namor. It's weird that she's in this tournament given the other combatants, <clears throat> but there she is. Uh, she's pitted against Namor the Submariner. She has to battle him in the ocean. He loves the ocean. <laughs> it's home ground to him. She's completely overpowered. Namor pulls her, beats her. And he's, unlike the other people in this contest, he has no intention of sparing anyone's life. So he takes the power away from her, which essentially leaves her to drown to Ugh. death at the bottom of the ocean. When the tournament finally, after several issues later, reaches its conclusion, the Phoenix Force reveals it, 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 
It was drawn to Maya's pain and suffering and her refusal to die in the final moments. So the Phoenix Force bonds with Maya Lopez and she becomes the new insanely powerful Phoenix. She names herself Thunderbird, which is, um, there's another indigenous uh, superhero from from the X-Men called Thunderbird. And she takes that name, becomes a new member of the Avengers and takes part in perhaps... The Avengers' biggest war ever against Mephisto and the multi-dimensional masters of evil. There we have it, folks. We have really pulled apart Echo, the uh, the TV series, the new Disney MCU series, and indeed the comic book side of things. Um, Will, I'd love to know your favourite pieces of uh, Marvel trivia that you've learned with us today. Well, I, I really love the whole thing that she was the original Ronin and then hand it over and the whole press leakage stuff yeah. leading up to that, which is mad. I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, hearing... Well, I say enjoyed. It's like it was it was funny hearing, like, when she's in the comics, she has to... She can't talk. She can't hear what Iron Man's saying she, if they're covering their face, for example. Yeah, I like <clears> the practicalities of it. The practicalities. I loved hearing about it because I just didn't think. But I really loved that... Uh, her and Matt Murdock going to the cinema together and then constantly t- that was brilliant I loved yeah it. I think everyone should check out um, in terms of a reading list um, Echo the Saga of Maya Lopez by David Mack that has mm. the introduction story plus another story called Vision Quest in it um, or you can just check out Echo Vision Quest by David Mack the, the really great introduction of her is is not in that one <clears throat> but you get a lot more of david mack's incredible artwork i think there's also um to coincide with this tv show there's a new comic book out um called daredevil and echo but i don't know what that's like because I, I haven't read it because it's new okay, that's um i'd love will to have your final thoughts on this tv show echo well initially i didn't think i i didn't think i was going to be too fussed with this i wasn't too <coughs> fussed with the show but then i saw the trailer and then i got hyped it looked like it was going to be dark, you know, fun. Not too much fun, obviously, but, you know, a little bit of a change to the usual MCU stuff. And I have to say, like, Alecqua Cox, uh, great. Great as Maya Lopez, considering she can't speak. She gives us such great emotion in, in, her, in her acting. Uh, some really good fight scenes that make me really look forward to the next uh, Daredevil show. Great to see Kingpin back, obviously. Another solid performance from Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, also, great supporting cast all round, as I said earlier, including Graham Greene who was recently in The Last of Us. Uh, I like that there's a more mature rated violence that edges towards Defenders uh, show's level of violence. However, I, I felt like the mysterious world that's introduced wasn't delved into enough, and it kind of left me wanting more. Uh, if, I, if I could change anything about it, I would probably have put more stuff happening in the episodes or shortened the series, I'm not sure. But I felt it, uh, it needed something a bit more. Thanks, Will. Um, our next episode is pure badass action, baby. It's Spider-Man, it's the Punisher, it's Blade, it's Craven the Hunter, and it's a giant spider. We are heading back to um, Spider-Man, the animated series of the 90s, to look at the most badass episode of any Marvel cartoon ever made. Um, it's part of the uh, Neogenic Nightmare and it was the first time as watching any of these cartoons or TV shows that I went, that reminds me of what it's like to read a Marvel comic that I've put a comic on the screen. Um, join us next time and uh, support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm.
Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston. And our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash marvel vs. marvel for awesome bonus content. Thank you.